Hello and welcome to the popcorn isn't real. Or I'm, is it? It is. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, dude! You just spoiled our whole episode. <laughs> you oh, gave it away. <laughs> you spoiled the whole series. Now they know the popcorn is real. <laughs> oh man, I'm Leif Eric, and this is my brother Torvald. Hi there. And today we're going to be talking about a little film called Suicide Club, which I apologize for forcing you to watch. Is no, it's uh, okay. actually I was just going to ask how how old is this movie? Because it, it seemed like it was maybe kind of old. Two thousand one. Oh, I thought it might be like early nineties. Yeah, I mean, it's no. I guess they had cell phones, so right? Uh, like I was it, just being it, stupid. It feels late nineties because it's two thousand one. Um, in Japan, it's actually called Suicide Circle, which I don't think makes as much sense because they actually they say Suicide Club many times throughout this film. So I think it's oh, a better yeah. title. But um, it probably is. It's called Suicide Circle because uh, the circle is supposed to represent like a, a support group type thing. Anyway, Suicide Club 2001, written and directed by Shion Sono. It's about a series of mass suicides that occur in Tokyo and people are trying to figure out why it is happening. So I didn't like this film the first time I saw it. I got to the end and I kind of was like, what the heck? Like, why did it end there? That was a terrible ending. Like the film is often criticized for its gratuitous death and gore. It's a nonsensical plot and the less than satisfying ending that I already mentioned. But yeah. I did find it intriguing, like because it doesn't really solve anything by the end. That's why I was intrigued enough that I kind of wanted to watch it again. And then I felt like every time I rewatched it, I liked it a little bit more. Did you feel like you liked it more because you were uncovering a little more of the mystery? Or was it just like you were resigned to it? <laughs> like you just accepted it? No, I think the first one, I felt like I was uncovering a little more of the mystery each time I watched it. It's kind of like the whole... Uh, like Rule of Rose game, how that got like a huge cult following because it had so many mysteries and things to uncover, even though the first time you play through it, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But All right. That's I pretty, can kind of see where you're coming from. Pretty good reference that most people will get. <laughs> so would you then try to argue that Rule of Rose is flawed game mechanics were intentional <laughs> um i guess i can see that i mean no i so, actually read that argument before i was like well maybe from that perspective like i think maybe yeah there could be a little bit intentional like the way she like just oh my the first weapon you get is the fork and she just she doesn't even stab <laughs> with it she no. just kind of pushes with it like yeah. she, <laughs> She's going to push someone away with the fork. And uh, I can't see how that could be anything but intentionally infuriating. <laughs> right. Well, it is. And that's the whole thing. They're intentionally infuriating. I'm glad you said that because that's what it, this theory is about, right? Like, so Shion Sono, he made a purposefully infuriating and obfuscated movie. Yes. Um, and do I, like, you think there if, is any true interpretation of this movie? Like, do you think there is like, I solved it. Like, this is what happened. Because I felt like it's the kind of movie that is supposed to not have a true interpretation. It's supposed to be um, a little, I don't know, amorphous in your mind. Okay, so having watched other Shion Sono movies, I feel like he does have a true purpose. 
Um, but I also do think that a trademark of his is making things purposefully infuriating and obfuscated and confusing. Um, Did he work on Rule of Rose? (laughs) I don't think so, but (laughs) he sure should have. (laughs) Is okay. I'll, I'll simplify the question. Is there a true interpretation of this movie for you? For me, yes. I don't know if it's quite what Shion Sono meant, but I have, I think, a good interpretation. It doesn't necessarily solve everything, right? So so we're going to go through the synopsis first, and I am going to incorporate my interpretation of what the film means. From the bloody beginning to its cryptic ending, it has certainly disgusted and confused many viewers. My theory is that some of the confusion can be alleviated when you realize that this film is actually a very loose and surreal adaptation of the Pied Piper of Hamelin in the modern day. So that's my theory. This is a loose, very loose adaptation of the Pied Piper. Now, the origin of this theory came from a post on an old IMDb message board before uh-huh. those were all those, taken those down. Gone now. <laughs> yeah. And in some it's ways, I feel... There are actually a lot of good theories on those. Well, the nice thing about <sighs> IMDb message boards was that every film, big or small, had a board, right? So you could go to that board and discuss that film. And yeah. now we kind of don't have that anymore. Mm. But I can see why they no, were taken down because they were like t- just a terrible place. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they were, were just poisonous were boards. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I mean, where else are you going to go to discuss Return to Oz, for example, right. right? Yeah, you could make a subreddit, but like, who's going to, you know? No yeah, one's... but just for Return to Oz? Right, like everyone IMDb goes to IMDb to search for whatever movie they're looking for. And then they, see, yeah. you know, so it was great. But luckily, those message boards were archived somewhere. Um, yeah. And so I was able to go back and find the person who originally posted this theory. And I read it and it like blew my mind was named Manuel Horth. Like I said, it kind of blew my mind at the time, the idea that you could take an old story and then adapt it into something that is completely unrecognizable and incomprehensible just seemed really cool to me. So the film starts off with a bang. 54 schoolgirls throw themselves in front of a train. It's a bloody mess. And afterwards, it seems like they were all from different schools and they had no way of knowing each other. So there's like this mystery of, you know, why did this happen? How did they coordinate this? Why did they do it? Uh, So detectives Kuroda and Shibu are on the case um, and they're contacted by an internet sleuth who calls herself the Bat. Uh, She reveals a website where dots appear to correspond to the number of people who have killed themselves, but these dots appear before the suicides occur. Yeah. So no, something's I just going gotta on. Say, so, you know, well, spoilers, we're going to talk about everything in this movie. So, you know, get ready if you haven't seen it. But I was really disappointed that the bat, like, just straight up doesn't matter. <laughs> like, yep. You could remove her from the movie and be the same movie. It would <laughs> like, be. Nothing she does matters. Well, Why she does she point out the dots. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they, the police could have found that through any way, it's, right? Like, yeah, no, it's It true. could have even just been another of those anonymous phone calls by the kids or whatever, right? Right, like, and Kuroda's own son points out the other website, Haikyo.com. And, yeah. Um, that well, one. and then there's, like, aspects of the bat that I just don't even get why they include. Like, who was her friend? That girl who was always looking over her shoulder. So They never even talk about her. Who was her. the guy in the other room? I think it was her dad. Like, so why was he so angry these things and then dead? are connected, actually, <laughs> thematically. Right. So the, first, the right. girl next to her is her sister. And the guy in the other room is her father, um, yeah. who she clearly has no relationship with, who is also very depressed and who is clearly sort of neglectful of her. And she has no connection with him, which is a theme of the movie that 
parents are disconnected from their children. Yeah. And like, like an older generation, the older generation seems to be very disconnected from the younger generation. But we'll get more into that later. So at the same time, there's these two nurses who commit suicide and the police find a bag with a roll of human skin, uh, like strips of human skin stitched together from lots of different people. Now, yeah, so are you telling me those two nurses had bad relationships with their fathers? Like, I mean, I just, I don't see this theme really being pulled through the movie. I see instances of it, but like. So the nurses, I think, sort of represent a younger generation. Like they're not older. They're kind of um, in their 20s, probably. Um, yeah. And this seems to be the people who it affects most are people who are younger in their teens and 20s. Um, okay. What about and, the overreacting security guard who seemed to be their age and like <laughs> totally overreacted? I mean, yeah, of course they died, so I'm not going to hold it against him. Uh, but like he reacted more than anyone else in the entire movie to these two girls, like first to the lights going out and then to not being able to find the one girl like that really freaked him out. And then when the one girl showed up and offered him some food, he's like, what? <laughs> and then she jumped out the window and he like starts screaming. Yeah. Um, not, once again, not holding it against him. He did just see her commit suicide, but no one else in the movie even reacted like at all to the deaths. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, no, then, I mean and then and then just to carry it on. Later, they cut back to him and he's like hallucinating about these two nurses. The movie's mm -hmm. not even about him. Why'd they even show him again? Okay. <laughs> like... Right. Well, okay. So two things about there's this security guard who I believe is introduced as a sort of, I think his character is supposed to be like a sort of comic relief, like his over the top reactions. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, but also he did have a side story, a B story that was cut out for time constraints. And you can see oh. a little bit more of it in the trailer for the movie. Like, but oh. the, the trailer for the movie is literally just a scene with the guard where he just sees <laughs> someone has like tried to fax themselves through a faxing machine and there's like oh, hair dude. coming out of it. Why didn't they include that? That would have been great. <laughs> and I think there was supposed to be more with him. I think the reason he hallucinates the two girls, even though this is not a supernatural movie, he no, does see the so ghosts. He does see the ghosts of these two nurses. It is important uh, to this movie and the theme of this movie to know that in a lot of Eastern culture, like Japan, they have a belief that after we die, that some sort of life goes on and we're all connected. So showing that these two nurses are still together sort of as ghosts after they die, I think is related to the theme of showing that they were, they're still connected oh, yeah. after this life. Well, and showing their connection to the guard continues. Right. And I get that. But once again, like, why like that guard was such an inconsequential character yes. why not have that with a more and important character this, like maybe i don't know the dad whose whole family committed suicide <laughs> why not have him hallucinate his family i don't well, know I mean, well this film has like three main characters right it has shibu it has kuroda who is the dad and it has mitsuko um who will meet is that later the girl who yeah. hurt her ear yeah mm -hmm. i mean what about the bat she was a main character yeah I mean, look, there, are, <laughs> That's what I'm there saying. are a lot of inconsequential <laughs> characters. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of red herrings. So these two nurses commit suicide. The police find the bag of human skin. It's stitched together from a lot of different people. Detective Kuroda goes home to talk to his family, but his two kids and wife would rather listen to this girl band on TV called Dessert um, than listen to him. 
There's also another mass suicide where a bunch of students jump off the roof. I feel like this is another red herring. Um, Because this suicide is not even related to Suicide Club. Like, these are actually just just peer pressure. (laughs) Like, but I mean, anyway. But it is also still related to this theme of, like, uh, being connected to other people and the peer pressure you feel sort of forcing what you do. So now we meet our third protagonist, a moody young lady uh, named Mitsuko. Her boyfriend commits suicide and the police find out that he's missing a strip of skin from his back, which just Can so just happens say, to be part of the roll uh, of skin they found. Yeah. I just want to say real quick about that uh, that last scene with the students committing suicide. That was like my favorite scene in the whole movie. I just loved <laughs> the absurdity of that yes. scene. Like the complete surreal like weirdness <laughs> of those students. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> Let's do oh, it. Yeah, those people committing suicide. <laughs> hey guys, I'm going to commit suicide. <laughs> oh, hey, come on, come on. Let's all commit suicide. Yeah, right. Like we'd actually commit suicide. <laughs> like, I just love right. the nonsense. Just like a stupid joking a thing that just thing. spirals out of control. <laughs> oh, the joke wasn't even good. Like <laughs> they were joking about mass deaths happening all over Tokyo, right? Like it was a horrible thing. <laughs> no, it's great. I, I like that scene a lot. <laughs> Sorry. So um, getting back, they found a body. It was missing some skin. I think that's where he left off, right? Right. And uh, yeah, Mitsuko's boyfriend was missing skin from his back. Yeah, and don't even get me started on Misuko and her boyfriend, like them just being introduced randomly halfway yes. through the movie. So that and acting that like whole we scene know who they are is very confusing. Yeah, um, it and, really threw me for a loop. I was like, did I miss something? Yeah, the way they're introduced is very odd. And there are more confusing things about that scene that we'll get into later. Detective Kuroda's son finds a website called Haikyo.com. Um, uh, it's a message board that seems to be somehow connected to the suicide club and Kuroda leaves a message there. And the next day, uh, he's contacted by a young boy who keeps clearing his throat. Um, this young boy, uh, tells them that there is no suicide club. And he also tells them the time and place that another mass suicide will occur. But the police go to this place to prevent another train jumping only to find that, uh, nothing happens at this point. uh, This is the part of the movie I don't like. Uh, I feel like all the blood and gore has sort of been justified up to this point because at least there are policemen trying to solve the mystery. Now we get into this like gratuitous like mom chopping off her arm sequence where... I thought that part was okay. I didn't know that. I just just feel like a lot of the deaths of this part feel a little more gratuitous. But what it's trying to show is that this, this suicide thing is just sweeping all of Tokyo. That It's happening all over the place. People are killing themselves. Mm -hmm. Um... And also the bat is kidnapped by the film's biggest red herring. Uh, yeah. Uh, Genesis uh, is yeah, his Genesis name. <laughs> and he, even he seems to just be a Rocky Horror Picture Show fanboy, um, mm-hmm. which I think Shion Sono is. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's probably why this is here. Um, Genesis and his gang torture and kill people and animals. And he lets the bat reveal the location of his hideout. He's happily yeah. arrested and he takes credit for Suicide Club and well, all the what suicides. What I didn't even get is that he, he didn't seem to have anything to do with suicide in at all. <laughs> like, nope. he was a murderer. Not a, He had nothing to do with suicide. He just yes. like killing things and people. <laughs> he was a murderer, but it is revealed uh, that he was affected. Like, he talks about dessert, right? So he was affected yeah. by the song of this girl band who we'll find out is much more important later. Um, and 
what it did while it did not uh, motivate him to suicide, it seems to have motivated him to murder. But shortly after Genesis is arrested, more suicides occur, and it becomes obvious that he was just a weirdo taking credit for for this stuff that he didn't even do. Yeah. Um, also around this time, Kuroda's family all commit suicide. Um, Kuroda gets a call from the same asthmatic little boy who asks him if he's connected to himself. And shortly after, Kuroda kills you himself. Something right yeah. here. His family all killed themselves. Did we get to see his family kill themselves? No. So and I thought that was really weird because, like, of all the is. people in this show who you should show us killing yep. themselves, it's these main characters, yes. right? And, and this then is, his daughter walks in. I don't even know what, what was up with her. Like, she was covered she's in just blood, covered but she in didn't blood. seem yeah. hurt. And then no, this, she was just gone. She disappeared. Yeah. Right? Like, we never saw her again. We didn't even see her body. Right. So I, I was like, was that a ghost? Like, was that another of these hallucinations? I don't know. Like... What do you think? What, what was going on there? What was she on trying to say to us? Because that kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, this is just weird. Why would yeah, you no, do it this way? I'm actually not. That is one part that I'm not sure about. And that's another reason why I feel like the montage where people are killing themselves is gratuitous because we could have spent that time, you know, maybe seeing Kuroda's family and what's going on there. Now, the only explanation I can see is that Shion Sono, going along with his theme of people being disconnected, did not want us to connect to any character in this film. And so he deliberately okay. keeps us uh, at a distance from he connecting. He kept things aloof. <laughs> and also, I did not, like, we know that his son commits suicide. We know his daughter was covered in blood. I don't know what happened to his wife. I only know no. that his family, like, I, just according to the wiki, his whole family committed suicide. <laughs> right? I mean, he sure he sure acted like they did, right? Like, there were cuts in between him discovering his house and then the rest of the police getting there. And he, it seemed like he found out that everyone was dead, but they just didn't make it clear to us, right? Yeah. And then, sorry, one other thing that uh, I meant to ask you earlier. Um, so when they go to the train station to stop the mass suicide and it doesn't happen... Um, what was the younger police officer's name? It was like Suba or something? Shibu. Shibu. Um, Shibu's all like sick, right? Like he collapses and he's like almost throwing up. What was going on there? Well, why, why did he just have the flu or something? What was going on with Shibu? Like I, mean, I was I just think confused. Shibu is the one character who seems to be the most, uh, emotionally affected by all these suicides. But like no everyone else kind of right shrugs then. it off. Yeah, <laughs> like but I think... the one part of the movie where no one died. <laughs> I think he's just really stressed out <laughs> that people, like a mass suicide might occur. So Mitsuko, getting back to her, she goes to her dead boyfriend's house and finds that he was a huge fan of the girl band Dessert. And she decodes a secret message hidden in one no, of Dessert's posters. Again, I was a little confused by this because I'm like, girl, you were dating this guy. You've probably been here before, right? <laughs> like she was acting like she like she looked at everything like, whoa, <laughs> like there's I mean, posters on the wall, the ringtones. And like you never heard his cell phone go off. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, like they honestly for dating didn't seem to be very close. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's that disconnect you were talking about. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, so she finds a secret message hidden in one of desserts posters uh, which I that I think is the coolest part of the movie when she decodes that. Yeah, no, that was message. cool. So the secret message leads Mitsuko to uh, backstage at a dessert concert, 
She finds herself in front of an audience of little kids. They ask her if she's here to repair her connection with herself. She declares that she is connected to herself and they applaud. Now backstage, there's a room filled with little chicks. Um, she and many others have a strip of skin cut from their back by some weird dude with a, with a cutting device. And mm -hmm. uh, the police uh, later on receive another bag full of skin. Detective Shibu finds Mitsuko's skin strip with a tattoo that he recognizes from earlier. He goes to a train station and tries to stop Mitsuko from committing suicide. But it turns but she out she wasn't going to commit suicide anyway. She was never going to commit suicide. She gets on the train and we listen to Tetsuya's concert. Like, gave him and a dirty look. Like yeah. the only oh, way yeah. I could interpret that look no. was like, and what the heck are you doing? <laughs> like, why would you even touch me? Kind of look like, geez, yeah. you are so, so out of line and I'm just yes, being a completely and when I, normal person who <laughs> likes to get my skin cut off and do what suicide people do. And, right? like, and when I first watched this movie, that was one of the parts I hated the most because I was like, that's the end is this dirty look like because like, we've been dying for any kind of emotional connection between two people this whole film. Finally, Shibu, who's been really stressed out about this, is finally getting to save someone. And then no, turns out it was pointless. And also she's freaking pissed at him for even yeah, trying. Like, like, ew, don't touch me. And that's the end. We yeah. end on that feeling. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I have a few questions just about the various plot points you hit just now in the past, you know, minute. Why was the backstage of the dessert concert filled with children? Like, yes. what, what, how do the children fit in? Why are the well, children behind the suicide club? Like, right. And as I said, when we first started, there's a lot of things that don't make sense about this movie that do make sense if this is an adaptation of the Pied Piper of Hamelin. But it seemed to be the children who were like orchestrating the whole thing. Like, yeah, it, it gave me the impression the children were in charge. Like maybe even they're telling dessert what to sing. I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what did the children have to do with it? I can't tell you the plot reason <laughs> that the children are there. <laughs> Dang okay. <it. laughs> I believe you're right. I think the only interpretation is that they are somehow in charge of the suicide club that they say does not exist. Yep. <laughs> it clearly exists. <laughs> yeah. No, there is clearly some sort of strange cult going on and they seem to be in charge of it. Now, just from watching his other film that takes place in this universe called Noriko's Dinner Table... Suicide Club is not run by little kids. <laughs> so I don't, oh, I, don't, no. I don't know what to tell okay. you. <laughs> it, it definitely does not seem to be run by little kids. Uh, right. <laughs> but they do have those little kids there carrying out certain duties. Maybe they're not the ones ultimately in charge of everything, but they are somehow involved in the, uh, the backstage initiation. Well Okay, process. are they like perpetual kids or do they grow up and stop being in the club? Like what, well, what's with them? <laughs> I feel like they are thematic characters, that they represent uh, this sort of children uh, that are being lost uh, because of a generational disconnect. So you're telling me the entire movie was an analogy? Like not a single thing in it was to be taken literally? Okay, yes. And having watched more than one Shion Sono movie, I think that is the case. I think that's many of his movies are entirely an analogy. Mm -hmm. 
disregarding Noriko's dinner table because I actually think it kind of ruins it. I like to think that it is both an analogy and also like within universe, of course, this is a real cult that exists and it is run by little kids. And these little kids are... I don't know if they're human. <laughs> they're okay. like some sort of force that is trying to guide humanity in a different direction so that they're less disconnected and okay. so that they can survive. All right. So you think they were trying to guide people in this direction. That yes. brings me to another question. So the girl well, whose name I forget. Yes. Well, that's also why the original Japanese title Suicide Circle was supposed to be, it's more like a support group. That This group, they're not trying to necessarily kill people. They're actually trying to support humanity in a way. Right. Okay. So this girl, um, she managed to get backstage and meet these kids and get a patch of skin taken off of her because she solved their complicated ARG. Um, yes. Were they implying that every person who committed suicide as a part of this phenomenon like every person who had a patch of skin taken off every person who held hands and jumped in front of the train like they all individually completed this arg solved the puzzles went backstage got their skin taken off and yeah. then plotted their own suicide or were they told to do their own suicide like sorry we'll do one question at a time does that mean every single person individually solved all these puzzles and went back there of their own volition yes I think so. I mean, like, like Masa, her boyfriend, Mitsuko's boyfriend, uh, when she goes to his house, she sees that he had been writing down these numbers. So he had solved the, the little puzzle. Yeah. So what I'm confused about is these people would have to be at least to some extent having suicidal feelings. They would have to be depressed or suicidal or at least, you know, considering it. I mean, I don't know how suicidal they were to begin with. Um, one thing that's clear is that Dessert's song has powers. <laughs> like, it makes people do things they probably wouldn't normally do. Um, that, that this suicide club is influencing people to do things they wouldn't normally do. And that the people who go there, whether they were originally suicidal or not, they are at the very least people who are disconnected that they're very isolated so they might be the type of people who are sitting around just staring at a dessert concert poster and then deciphering the code you know and then going there because they're people who are lacking something in their life and they're seeking to uh repair their connection with themselves or whatever right okay well the next question do you think that these people got there had a conversation with the kids had their skin removed, were they then, like, given a plan of suicide? Where did suicide factor in? Like, because we didn't really get to see what they talked about or anything. Like, <laughs> it's just, how does meeting these kids and losing some of your skin then lead to suicide? I just didn't, that part of the puzzle was missing for me. So Mitsuko is unique. I think that most people sort of went there, they joined this club, this cult, and then they feel a connection with the other people in the cult. So then they do whatever the cult says, which might be jumping in front of a train, right? Okay, so you Whereas, think these people were being told to commit suicide after they lost their skin? Yes. Whereas okay. Mitsuko went there and unlike most people, she had a connection with herself. So her survival is not dependent 
on anyone else, right? She is making her own decisions. And that is basically the, the whole theme, the crux of this movie is that we may be disconnected from each other, but so long as we are connected to ourself, we will survive. Um, and we won't be influenced by like peer pressure or random girl bands or anything like that. Like the point is to connect with yourself and become an individual. And I kind of think that Shion Sono, who is a very, very unique person, uh, is speaking out against the lack of individuality in his own culture. Because he, of course, he's from a culture that that prizes basically going with the flow and doing what everyone else is doing. Okay, Mitsuko did not strike me as a particularly individualistic person. She did a few strange things, like throwing away her umbrella in the middle of a rainstorm. <laughs> right? But um, it wasn't like she was striking out and like doing her own thing often. I, I do feel like she is, though, like portrayed as, as being different, right? Like she tells Shibu to stay in the room when she takes off her shirt. Like he's going to leave for modesty's sake. She tells him to stay, you know, like uh, she doesn't seem to care what other people think, you know? Um, yeah. And she throws away her umbrella. Like you said, she doesn't really seem to have any friends. She's extremely unfriendly toward everyone. Yeah. All right. Getting into my theory, which yeah. is less thematically related and more just like part of how a way to understand this, this very bizarre story is that it is an adaptation of the Pied Piper of Hamelin, because this movie is about a girl band that through a, a complex system of songs, codes, and websites seem to be creating a huge following of people and then compelling those people to kill themselves. And the Pied Piper of Hamelin, a piper uses a magical song to entice all the rats in town to follow him and then happily jump into a river, killing themselves. And then when the town refuses to pay him, the piper does the same to all the kids. <laughs> uh, though whether he kills them or not is left to the imagination. In most versions of the story, we... I think he leads them away to a cave and then they're just never seen or heard from again. So there's a similarity here. Musicians drawing large groups of people to their deaths. In the Pied Piper, the rats jump down into a river and the kids go into a cave. Now, both of these images uh, are like a descent, right? Now, in Suicide Club, the first mass suicide we get in this film starts with girls descending into a subway or a cave-like structure and jumping down in front of a train, which, of course, the jumping is what the rats did. And indeed, the majority of the suicides in this film happen from jumping. Yeah. This one is stretching. I don't know if this is great evidence, but the children in the Pied Piper are led away on June 26th. The first suicide in Suicide Club happens on May 26th. Wow! <laughs> Almost June 26. <laughs> Coincidence? Just one month Maybe. away. I don't know. <laughs> also in the subway. Uh, so okay, in a film that has a soundtrack that is fairly Japanese, full of weird Japanese pop songs and stuff like that. When the girls step up to the platform to jump, it suddenly turns into this very happy old timey Piper music. Like, it's pipe music. It's the music that the Pied Piper would have played when they first jump in front of that train at the very beginning. I mean, even that I don't fully agree with. I remember it playing festive music at that festive point. Festive pipe wasn't, music. It wasn't like, like from a flute. It wasn't doodly-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Yes, it is. No, it was just festive, Oh, it is. Right? Listen like, to it again. It's like pipe music. <laughs> the Pied Piper in this version, was it the little kids or was it dessert? Well, I think it was a group of people, not just one piper. I'd say that it was all of them working together, like these okay, little kids and so dessert. It's the little kids and dessert. The Pied Piper in the myth 
or in the in the folktale was hired to exterminate a problem. Yes. What were these kids in Desert hired to exterminate? They weren't hired they to exterminate uh, anything. Like, I, I don't think that the motivation for why they're doing this is necessarily the same. Like, So it has nothing to do with the Pied Piper then, because the <laughs> Pied Piper is all about a guy getting hired to do a job and then not getting paid and okay. then getting, like, a malicious revenge for that. I think the Pied Piper, what it's about is about adults. The generation of adults do not fulfill their responsibility to pay the piper and in turn are served their just desserts. Which, oh, wait, uh, have we heard that word recently? Dessert. dessert. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> They're the Pied Piper. I mean, I think it would have been much a much stronger theme if they were called, like, the Pipers. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, I don't think he wanted it to be obvious. Like, I think he intentionally took inspiration from the Pied Piper, but then twisted it into something unrecognizable. I can't, I just, I, I don't know if I can go along with it if it doesn't in any way espouse the actual theme of the Pied Piper, which is a guy was hired to do a job, he did the job, he wasn't paid, he got revenge. So at one point, the cops actually mentioned the Pied Piper, right? They say, Yeah, which was totally out of place. <laughs> I don't know why they mentioned it other than to say, this movie is the Pied Piper. <laughs> right. They say, I'd say it's too much TV, the Pied Piper. Yep. So we know that these similarities were intentional, and not just coincidence, but this is like, like, I feel like he, he deliberately said the Pied Piper to tell us that this was an inspiration for this movie. So I think that's, Either that's that, a, or he was saying the Pied Piper is, you know, in that story, people were led away. Right. The Pied exactly. Piper, like people are being led away. Right. A musician right. leads people away to their death. Right. Right. Um, but that's which, not the entire Pied Piper story. That's the not the entire Pied Piper story. It's not that people were led away. It's that no, people but that's didn't a pay part of it. Right. Like, it is a part of it. Definitely. The the cop saying, I'd say it's too much TV, the Pied Piper, this is like a throwaway explanation. Like he's just scapegoating. So people are disconnected in this film. Crota and his family, they can't even talk without some white noise in the background. And the thing most often blamed for this lack of connection is technology, the internet, or there are even forms of warped connection like cults, clubs, gangs. I think Genesis is in this film to represent sort of like the gang thinking um, or the idea also that you can connect through fame or infamy, taking credit for suicides. They are scapegoating technology, internet, uh, the girl band, right? Everything like these are what's causing the problem with our youth, right? Well, where did this stuff come from? Well, it came from the, the generation of the parents who needed, who parked their kids in front of TV, in front of girl bands, who, who wanted the, those kids to be entertained or whatever to get them out of their hair, which created this disconnect. And so in a way, this is their Piper, right? They uh, paid the Piper. Okay, so you're saying the kids are the rats? <laughs> that's what you're saying is that the kids are the rats no then the what are the kids <laughs> like you're saying the kids the, were the problem the, the rats parents hired the pied piper in this case which is tv the internet whatever to get rid of the rats which was their kids <laughs> right? right well no the rats are just a problem i'm saying the parents brought something in to fix a small problem and then it became a large problem and they're not taking responsibility for it. And so the Piper comes to teach them a lesson to give them their just desserts. Well, what you just described is not the story of the Pied Piper. It's about someone hiring a guy to fix the problem. The guy doesn't get paid and then he gets payback. Everything in the Pied Piper story, I think, relates to this movie, except perhaps the fact of payment. 
Look, do you know what pied means? What does the word pied mean? I assume something to do with pies, but I have no idea, to be honest. It means striped. Okay. I think it means like like alternating colors, which is what stripes are. <laughs> like uh, the Pied Piper wears brightly colored stripes. All right. And when we first see dessert in their poster and their music video, they are wearing over-the-top stripes. Like they are Pied Pipers, striped musicians who are leading people to their deaths, just like the Pied Piper does. I think that could be a coincidence, but sure. Well, that's not a coincidence in a movie where he said, where the police say the Pied Piper, right? Did they wear stripes every time we saw them? Yes. Well, in, in nearly every uh, one of their music videos, what, what at least about, one of them is wearing what stripes. What about the iconic poster where they're holding their fingers up, like the time where we get yes, the best view the of them? That's the poster I'm talking about. They are wearing over-the-top stripes. They are just wearing shirts that are that go down to their ankles that are literally just stripes in that poster. All right, all right. But the Piper song draws people to their deaths, right? And we see every single person in this movie who dies or who commits suicide has some connection to dessert. Um, like the nurses, before they commit suicide, we hear them listening to Mail Me, uh, dessert's like, uh, you know, iconic song. Kuroda's family, they all listen to dessert, then they all die. Um, Genesis was a fan of dessert, and he ends up turning into a murderer. Um, uh, yeah, all of I'm not denying people who listen to that band end up committing suicide in this movie. So, like, ultimately, blaming gangs and technology is just a technique employed by parents and the older generation to not take blame for the fact that they themselves are at fault for not connecting with their children. Um, and Kuroda realizes before he kills himself, saying that the Suicide Club, even though they've made this website and have dessert messaging people, he says they're not at fault. And presumably, he has realized that he himself is at fault because then he kills himself, right? He says it's not their fault, and then he kills himself. So he's saying that it is ultimately his failure, the parents' failure to connect with his children. Yeah. When Mitsuko finally meets the kids who seem to control Suicide Club, they refer to themselves as victims, right? And Mitsuko as the assailant, which I think that this is trying to get across the idea that the younger generation are the victims and the older generation are the assailants. But wouldn't the Pied Piper be the assailant? <laughs> You don't watch the Pied Piper and think, oh, a terrible Pied Piper murdering those kids. You're like, oh, I kind of do, though. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the point of the story It's like the Pied Piper is just a device, right? Like he's nothing. Mm -hmm. He's nothing. He just exists right, right, right. to it's bring the about the point the bad thing. that the yes. parents did the bad thing. Yeah. Yes. And that's I what I'm saying. That. When I say dessert is like not even necessarily human, I feel like they are just a force that is like the Pied Piper. I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that as well. I agree. The girl band. Uh, so the girl band is called Dessert, but this name is intentionally misspelled several times throughout the film. Yes, it is Dessert. It, well, it's confirmed by Shion Sono uh, in his other film, Noriko's Dinner Table, that one of the interpretations of the name is actually Desert, as in oh. a sandy, desolate place. And this is meant to symbolize that people must be alone in the desert. They must connect to themselves rather than be part of the masses. And in order to survive in the desert, you have to rely on you. Okay, you yeah. can't no, that, follow along with the other dancing children to the Piper's doom. That's just part of the theme. That's not really even directly related to the Pied Piper thing. But um, another interpretation, when Mitsuko goes to her boyfriend's room, all the posters are spelled dessert or desert with one S. Oh. This could be 
the verb to desert, meaning to leave behind. Oh. Just like the children in the Pied Piper deserted their parents and their town. I mean, no, that's that's interesting. I like that. That's a small detail. That, and like, it, I, can... like she, I think it, Shion Sono has confirmed that like, like these were intentional misspellings, even though you might think it's just like English. But um, the website they go to, haikyo.com, can be translated as ruins. But haikyo also means something that is abandoned. Like the kids are abandoning their parents. Oh, no. <laughs> or they've been abandoned by their parents. Yeah, or being abandoned. Yeah. So while there are many versions of the fairy tale, there is one consistency in the Pied Piper. One or two children always survive. In the Grim version, a blind child survives and a deaf mute child survives. In mm -hmm. other version, it's a crippled child, but because of their disabilities, they can't go with the Piper. So they're the only ones who survive to tell the tale. Now, okay. Suicide Club does have a blind character. I'm talking about the bat. <laughs> the old adage yeah. being that bats are blind. While she's not literally blind, I believe that she is an adaptation of this element, this character from the fairy tale, because she is literally blinded by Genesis, thrown into a bag so she can't see. And like the fairy tale, even though the others died, her sister died who wasn't in a bag, she is able to tell her tale by contacting the police through the computer. So similar yeah. to the Pied Piper tale where the blind kid gets to tell what he heard and mm -hmm. say, oh, this is what we heard. He was going to take us here. But, you know, uh, she is the blind character who manages to tell her tale. OK, I want to give my two cents on this. I think this could be the most compelling evidence you have, except that the bat in this version never came into like a direct confrontation with the Pied Piper. Right. Yeah. Like she she never actually interacted with the Suicide Club. She thought she did, but it was actually just Genesis. It's true. And I feel like this is just an aspect of there being a red herring in this tale that he yeah. like there are two survivors in the original Pied Piper. He split them up and he used one survivor to tell the tale of his red herring uh, Genesis. And then Mitsuko yeah. is the next one. But no, I, I like that. I think it's cool. I like the bat is blind. That one I can get behind completely. Okay, what about the deaf-mute survivor from the fairy tale? One of the more confusing parts of Suicide Club is when Mitsuko's boyfriend commits suicide and falls on her. We don't really see it happen, but somehow only her ear is hurt. <laughs> she walks yep. away with her ear bleeding. Now, this whole scene is a little odd and awkwardly shot, but I believe the only reason it's here is to show that Mitsuko represents the deaf child, like her ear was injured. While she's not literally deaf, her ear is injured. And like the deaf child, she's one of the only people who gets to survive. Um, also, I don't know if this was in the version you saw, but this scene follows directly after the scene where they find a severed ear on the side of the school building and they have to push it off. What does finding a severed ear have to do? Like, was that her ear? Are you saying No, that? I'm not saying that's her ear, but I think it's interesting that those two... Uh, you think they're just, they're, they're emphasizing, like, right, well, look it's at like, the ear here. Like. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> like a, a visual similarity in two very closely clustered scenes, I think are trying to get us to maybe focus on the ear as it pertains to Mitsuko. Okay, I could, I could get behind this if there was any sort of impact to her hearing at all in the movie. <laughs> we have to agree that, like, the bat is not blind and Mitsuko is not deaf. But the bat is inside of a pillowcase, right? And Mitsuko yeah. does have, for several of the scenes she's in, a big bandage wrapped around her entire head, right? Covering both ears. So, I mean, that's that's 
deaf-ish. I mean, she can still hear, but <laughs> no, you know, but, both okay. it's like the monkeys that see no evil, hear no evil. Like they're just covering their ears and their eyes and their mouth, you know? Yeah, so she, she has an ear cover. One of these covering. two literally couldn't see when she was in a pillowcase. Right, the other one can she, definitely hear. <laughs> she could still see enough that she found the keyboard and was somehow typing through a pillowcase. Pretty cool scene. <laughs> <laughs> now, as I said, in some versions of the fairy tale, the survivor is actually like a kid with a limp or, you know, he's crippled or something. In Noriko's Dinner Table, the other film in this universe, which we won't really talk about much, but we do We've learn about it a bit already. that one of the members of Suicide Club who posts on Haikyo.com is named Cripple Number 5. <laughs> so. Whoa! <laughs> that, that's interesting. And that happens in um, Mizuko's Dinner Table or in, whatever it was. Yeah, called. Noriko's Dinner Table. That's fun. Speaking of Noriko's dinner table, we'll just go into it just a little more. In that film, a father is searching for his two daughters who have left to join Suicide Club. He finds them in a fantasy sequence. I mean, where I'm sorry, I just have to say, it sounds like that movie is very related to this one. Like, if it's all about Suicide Club. Yeah, well... It sounds I'm picking, like a direct I'm, sequel, almost. I'm picking out the elements that are very related. Uh, okay. It is both prequel like it happens before during and after suicide club it starts like a year All before right. and it ends like two years after but anyway so the dad is searching for his two daughters uh who have left to join suicide club and then in a fantasy sequence he's walking through a desert and he goes into a cave and he finds a bunch of kids in there including his daughters which of Whoa, course in the pied piper dude, is where in a cave he, he led the kids was to a cave now one other little thing when Mitsuko goes to Dessert's concert and goes backstage when she's getting her skin cut from her back, there are a lot of little squeaking critters swarming on the floor. Now, they are not rats. They're not rats. <laughs> they're, they're baby chickens. <laughs> they are chicks. But, you know, they're kind of swarming like rats and squeaking. <laughs> so. Well, okay, can I ask you another question? Now that you're done with your Pied Piper theory, you said early on in this discussion that you have your own idea of what this movie is about, like your your own interpretation of this is this movie. Is it the Pied Piper interpretation or do you, is there more to it? Like, what, what do you well, personally think? Uh, yeah, like the Pied Piper, I feel like was uh, something that Shion Sono took inspiration from to sort of structure his movie and come mm -hmm. up with a lot of the images and, and ideas in it. Um, uh, my interpretation is, like I said, that dessert and this group of kids are a force that is trying to correct a problem right. with society. Something about society that they don't like. Yeah. Like what they want is for people to connect to themselves. Yes. Um, and some of the people who join their group don't, who are, they're like just joining a group to be part of this cult. And I think those are the ones that they send to go commit suicide. Oh, but the ones like man. Mitsuko, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> the ones like Mitsuko, and also oddly enough, like, once Mitsuko figures it out, there are no more suicides after that. Like Suicide Club ends. Like all it takes is one person <laughs> figuring out that she needs to connect to herself. Yeah. I mean, like I have my interpretation of the plot and like the theme is that, like I said, Shion Sono thinks people should be more individualistic, having kind of grown up in a less than individualistic society. Right. Um, so and he's basically saying that like if you rely on others for your survival you'll die basically so. you're saying there is a cult that wants people to be individualistic and in order to encourage people to be individualistic this cult 
tries to get people to join this cult <laughs> and not be yeah. individualistic. Right, and but that's why that they, they are individualistic or will kill them. <laughs> well, that's why they themselves say there is no suicide club, right? Because yeah. that's not the point of the club. They don't even want people to join, right? Like people are joining and then those people are killing themselves, right? right. I mean, I think I think we're about ready to wrap this up anyway. Dude, how many thumbs up would you give it? I mean, okay. So to be completely honest, like just uh, looking at this at face value, I have to admit, definitely, Shion Sono pulled some ideas from the Pied Piper of Hamelin. I also have to admit that I'm not convinced that this movie espouses the theme, like the actual like purpose of the Pied Piper of Hamilton. Like it has a very different message it's trying to get across. But definitely he was pulling from the Pied Piper of Hamilton. So I mean, I'll give you one thumb up. I mean, I think you're you're totally onto something here, right? Like yeah. he clearly was I'll take the, it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, no. There's there I have no doubt. Like you've completely convinced me that Shion Sono was thinking about the Pied Piper as he wrote this movie and pulling elements from it. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, that was uh, that was an interesting movie. I don't I don't know if I loved it, but it was interesting. (laughs) Oh, well, this has been the popcorn isn't real. I'm Leif Eric and my brother Torvald. And we are signing off until next time. See you later. later. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening. Opening music for this episode was provided by Christine. If you want to see how our theory holds up, we provide links in the episode description where you can enjoy the media we discuss. And if you like our podcast, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. And remember, the popcorn isn't real. <laughs>